listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich coming to you tonight from the Civil War Talk Radio World Headquarters Annex in the Brook Valley neighborhood of Greenville, North Carolina. Not coming to you tonight from the campus of ECU or the Brewster Building because it's summer break and because the pandemic has buildings closed. So I'm home uh, broadcasting from the, the heart of the empire here, but not speaking for anyone else in the house or anyone else on campus or anyone else anywhere, just myself. And likewise, my guest will do the same. It is normally a quiet house, just uh, usually it's Emily and me here. The Thank you to everyone who's expressed good wishes over the last couple months, and she had her uh, appendectomy, uh, surgery, from which she is fully recovered. But lately, this week, uh, the girls have come home. My two daughters, many of you who've listened to the show for many years may remember their exploits on the Greenville Stars youth soccer team. Uh, I coached each of them at one time or another in their youth, and I'm sure it will make you feel as old as it makes me feel when I tell you they are no longer U10 or U12. Uh, The older one is in medical school. The younger one holds down a big city job in Chicago, where she, uh, and and they're both home doing their work. They're they're here, uh, but taking advantage of the pandemic, work from home opportunities. So as I go from room to room, I hear lectures on the cardiovascular system coming over one of their one of the computers. One is looking at, and then I go in the other room. The other one is in a Zoom meeting with clients in Boston and bosses in Chicago, and she's talking like a complete adult uh, to them, and they're listening with respect to her uh, professional views. It's, uh, it, I am both feeling extremely antiquated but bursting with pride at the same time. Uh, so uh, if you hear any noise during the show, it's because they're in the next room, the doors are closed, but they're in there with their mom. Uh, eating dinner and probably watching a uh, rerun of one of the Hunger Games or Harry Potter movies, which are things that that everyone in the family has in common. It is uh, June 10th of 2020 today. Uh, The year has been a tumultuous one, uh, to say the least, for many reasons. And uh, one of the echoes of that, which I mentioned in last week's show, is that here in Greenville, North Carolina, the movement to remove the Confederate monument from the courthouse lawn has been gaining strength uh, to the point that the county commissioners plan to address it at their meeting this coming Monday. And in response to a letter I wrote to the commissioners, one of them has asked me if I would speak at that meeting. And anyone can speak at the meeting. You just go and sign up, so it's not a big deal. Uh, but 
uh, I'm, I'm planning to do that. I know some of you listening don't agree with uh, the views I expressed last week about the times having changed and it is now time to remove these monuments. And I respect that we don't all agree on every issue. I consider a number of you uh, friends through correspondence. We've exchanged views over the years. And we don't always agree on these kinds of issues, but I hope that does not uh, prevent us from continuing to talk about Civil War history and other important matters uh, in a tone of mutual respect. The times do seem to have changed, though, I will say that. Uh, a, a local attorney who has an office right across from the monument posted a long uh, Facebook post that gave a detailed history of the monument, uh, how it got to be there in 1914, one year after Greenville passed its uh, segregation zoning ordinance. And uh, the number of comments was not surprising, close to 100, but the fact that 80, 85 of them were favorable uh, suggests that there has been a sea change in local attitude, if not national attitude, on issues like this. And the ones who oppose removing a monument, uh, some brought out the factually wrong arguments, Civil War is not about slavery, or this honors black Confederates as well, as if there were any. Uh, and then others uh, were a little more thoughtful. The traditional arguments uh, this we should keep it up as a monument of our our bad history but to that i have to ask what what would be the point of that who needs to be reminded does pitt county's african-american population need a reminder that racism was alive in 1914 uh, when it continues to be alive today does that actually serve a purpose i'm not sure uh, well actually i am sure uh, it does not it's, and then you get the uh, the slippery slope argument. If you take down this monument, what's next? To which my answer is, that's what leadership is for. You make judgments. Uh, if you lower the speed limit to 40, why not lower it to 30? It'll be safer still. Why not 20? Why not 10? Therefore, we can't have any speed limits at all, because where would it stop? Well, that's an absurd example. You put the speed limit where it's reasonable. And some monuments are no longer reasonable. So... Uh, I'll try to keep uh, from sermonizing on that week after week, but I'll let you know how the commissioner's meeting goes uh, when we talk again next week, which we will do because the show goes on. You can find out each week who's going to be on the show from the Facebook page, Impediments of War, or the website, www.impedimentsofwar.org. Mark Gaffney keeps us posted. Next week, uh, on the 17th, our guest will be Rachel Lance. And we'll talk about what happened to the Hunley. Uh, her book is called In the Waves, My Quest to Solve the Mystery of a Civil War Submarine. And we'll finish up the 2019-2020 season, none too soon, with uh, Kenneth Rutherford's book, America's Buried History, Landmines in the Civil War, uh, a story many of us, uh, well, I'll speak for myself, a story I don't know much about, but uh, he is a leading expert in this field, and it'll be interesting to talk with him. So lots going on. Um, join us for those. But tonight we are talking about photographs of the Civil War. The book is called 
Lens of War, Exploring Iconic Photographs of the Civil War. It's co-edited by two longtime friends of the show. Both have been on before. Uh, one uh, was on last year because the two of them edited another book, and uh, Gary Gallagher joined us last May to talk about the other book on Civil War Places. And tonight we have J. Matthew Gallman, uh, who has been on here before, coming back to tell us, uh, talk with us about Lens of War iconic photographs. Matt, are you there? Can you hear me? Ah, I hear you now. Uh, And can you hear me? Oh, absolutely. Oh, very good. Well, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you back. Oh, it's good to have you. Good to be back on. Good to hear your voice. So, uh, you uh, well. Let me start with how how things are going for you. We have had all kinds of uh, uproar here at, at East Carolina. We are starting classes early August 10 this coming semester, right. and going to a block schedule system where we'll have courses that last only eight weeks, packed twice a day. And uh, uh, how are you guys dealing with uh, the fall back to school at and your university? Well, I'm Florida, in Gainesville. Yeah, yeah, I'm down in Gainesville. Um, I'm personally not loving it because I miss going to coffee shops and going out to lunch and so on. Um, but sure. I'm obviously much, much, much better off than most of the population. Um, as far as I, I don't think that UF has made a final announcement. Um, I'm assuming that we'll be doing at least some courses online. And I'm assuming that I'll be online and not teaching in person um, purely by virtue of my age and so on. Um, but I'm not 100% sure what the university is going to do. I don't think that has been announced yet. Um, it seems like we'll have at least some courses on campus, um, lab, labs at least, and so on. Right. But we march on, yeah. And uh, it's a... I have not taught um, um, sort of remotely before, and I'm not a big fan of it. So <laughs> you kind of do what you must do. You know, it, it's uh, yeah. I, I had we had to switch at at the uh, spring break as most schools did and uh, go over to it. I had taught one course remotely the previous summer as sort of a experiment, and uh, it, it's not great. It uh, it's not terrible. There's things you can do. But but you're right about the, uh, the, the those of us in our, the cohort old enough to conceivably remember any part of the centennial are are the ones who probably are not the best ones to go back in the classroom. But our department has been underfunded for so long we haven't hired new young people in so long that like all of us are <laughs> are getting there. And and um, if you're keeping score. Both of us are in states that have been in the top six in new cases in each of the last two days. Um, so um, North Carolina more than Florida, but still, um, it's, it's 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 not going away. No, it does not seem to be. Uh, well, it gives all the more reason for us to stay indoors, read books, and talk about them. And uh, this book, Lens of War, is just a. a you know, delightful and stimulating book to to look at and to read. Listeners, uh, we'll be talking about photographs. We'll be mentioning a lot of photographs, and you will immediately 
know the ones we're talking about half the time because they are among the most iconic and famous ones of the war. But feel free to exercise your pause button when we get to one of them. Uh, uh, put us on hold, pull out uh, Miller's uh, 10 volume history of the war or look it up online and uh, the photographic history of the war or look it up online and and, uh, and look at the pictures that we're talking about and that'll help you know what we're doing. Uh, first question let me ask is how did you guys come up with uh, uh, this idea? How did you decide this would work for a book? <laughs> well, it's, it's actually um, a funny answer to that question than usual. I'm, I was on, I still am on the the advisory board of the Civil War book series that Steve Berry edits at the University of Georgia. And he had a meeting. I think the first meeting of the board was a new series. And we were all sitting around in a, at a conference at a, at a bar drinking beer and sort of pre-associated about books we might propose or solicit. And I sort of spontaneously described what became Lens of War. Um, and um, Amy Taylor, who was there, kind of t- wrote notes on a napkin. And then a few weeks later, either Steve or Amy, they're both editors of the board, um, uh, emailed me and said, we'd like you to do that book. Um, and so that's kind of where it came from. And um, I talked about to Gary about it very early on, but um, at the very, at the very, very first moment, I was going to do it, and then later on, he uh, agreed to do it with me. Um, so it was, it was just an impulse, um, and so. Well, um, but I say, but one that had a, a, a extremely successful outcome uh, worked out really well. The uh, did you immediately have an idea of who you wanted to ask to participate in this? It was it was an evolving thing. Um, I mean, I I have not edited collections with um, living authors. I've I've edited a couple of things with people who are dead. But um, um, so the first thing I did once this idea was in my head is I called it's been a few, little few years now, but I called Gary. Um, I called Judy Giesberg in Philadelphia. Um, I, uh, I called about three or four people and described this project and said, if we do this, would you be willing to write something? Um, because the last thing I wanted is to spend a large amount of time hounding authors to submit things. Um, so Gary and I basically talked about, well, for starters, we really wanted, you know, people who are really great writers and people who are kind of known commodities um, for this book. Um, we wanted people who could be counted on to make a deadline. Um, um, and since um, we didn't really have much money to offer, we wanted people who could do it for the love of doing it. I mean, authors were paid a very small amount. It's really a, it's a labor of love. Um, and beyond so that, we, looked, a, we talked about 
I'd say, unfortunately, that's all too common in our field, the labor of love uh, issue. I'm, I'm starting to step in. We're going to take a short break, and we'll come back and talk more about uh, who's in the book and what they chose. We're talking about the book Lens of War, Iconic Photographs of the Civil War, and we're talking with editor J. Matthew Gallman. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Matt Gallman, co-editor of Lens of War, exploring iconic photographs of the Civil War. It's a book in which Matt and his co-editor Gary Gallagher have asked uh, a number of historians to select their favorite photograph and to write about it. And to give you an idea who we're talking about among the contributors, uh, Harold Holzer, Ethan Rafuse, uh, Joan Waugh, uh, Joe Gladhar, Aaron Sheehan Dean, Brooke Simpson, Dan Sutherland, Carrie Janey, Carol Reardon, Steve Woodworth, Bud Robertson, Earl Hess, uh, many others. Uh, so uh, of the 27, uh, 17 have been on this show, Civil War Talk Radio. Uh, wow. One would have been, but uh, but had a health cancellation, and I hope to, to get that changed in the fall. And there's a few others I just haven't gotten around to inviting yet, but we'll get them all on eventually. Uh, but these are some of the people, so listeners, you, you know their work. Uh, so Matt, did you put any guidelines did you tell like how did you prevent people from choosing the same photograph or how how did the photograph selection work out it 
it worked out pretty smoothly. What we did is we um, invited people and we sort of signed up people in sequence. So we didn't sign up 27 people overnight. And um, mm-hmm. as we added new people, we gave them some sense of the topics that were already being covered, um, mm-hmm. meaning not just the photographs, but the, the, the general topic. And at the very, at the, at the 11th hour, we added a few new authors in order to add a few, a few images that we thought should be included. Um, we didn't, we felt, for instance, I, I don't, I think we didn't have a Robert E. Lee until, um, um, late in the game. Cause I thought Gary would do Lee, but he ended up doing Jeb Stewart. Um, um, so it, it wasn't like, it wasn't really tough. Um, we did not try to guide people towards kind of certain kinds of um, topical diversity, um, except in so far as we selected people whose interests were topically diverse, um, and it worked out really well. And the, we we put we ended up putting the essays in five sections, um, but that all came after the fact. Um, you know, we have people. We've got soldiers, civilians officers and and places and so on and the balance is actually pretty remarkable given the shall we say the organic process we followed um so yeah that worked really well well, um, well l- let me start with the photograph that you chose uh, because if you mm-hmm. just picked 50 civil war historians more than one, I think, would have chosen the the picture you, you chose of Lincoln and McClellan at Antietam. Uh, but the specific one you chose at that famous meeting is the one where the two of them are sitting in a tent and uh, with yeah. a table between them, and they're talking. And listeners probably all know the the other famous one of, of Lincoln and McClellan in front of the staff, standing outside, tall Lincoln and short McClellan. I've got that photograph in my office. Uh, everybody's seen that one. You didn't pick that one, though. You chose one of them in the tent. What 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 made you choose one over the other? Well, I mean, those are taken more or less at the same occasion. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love all of them. Um, and, of course, since I was an editor, I could choose whatever I wanted first. So <laughs> I... Um, but I would tell you what I was trying to get at in, in, I was, in the essay, I was trying to get at the, the idea that three men came together because Alexander Gardner, the photographer, is there. And, and all three of them have stories that sort of intertwined repeatedly, including on that day. Um, but then the other thing that I love about this, I'm assuming most of your listeners can picture the, pic- the picture, the picture, the picture. It's <laughs> taken inside the tent and... It's, it's a very distinctive shot for all sorts of reasons, um, including they're looking sort of at each other, not at the camera. Um, and also, it's a, um, in terms of photography, it's from the outside looking in, in a very unusual way. And it really, Gardner gives the appearance that he was like walking down the camp and, you know, pulled out his his iPhone and took a picture of Lincoln and McClellan chatting. It has that spontaneous look to it, which of course is impossible. It had to be a, um, sort of a posed shot and Gardner chose things. There's, there's a flag on the ground. There's another flag on the table. There, it, 
the accoutrement of the image is very complicated and I think really fascinating. Um, and so, yes, that's I a, like that photograph very much. It's a, it's a wonderful photograph, and that's a feature that a number of your authors comment on. Uh, you know, we all know the technology of photography in that era was such you had to pose a long time for the exposure. And so it was impossible to take a candid shot, just catch somebody in the act. Uh, they had to know they were being photographed because they had to hold still. But a number of your authors point out how much they like a given photograph because it gives the appearance of being a candid shot, like the one we just described. Uh, Joan Wall likes the Grant portrait that we all know where he's leaning against a tree with one elbow. Uh, it, 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 it's not formally posed like a 19th century portrait. Uh, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? No, I totally agree. And, and I mean, of course, Joan is a great scholar of Grant. And that image that image you feel looking at that picture, and which, again, I'm sure your listeners can, can imagine Grant leaning on a tree, that it's really easy to imagine knowing the guy. It's not, it doesn't have a stiff feel at all. Um, uh, and I love that. He and Dean, Aaron he and Dean's picture, which is a distant shot of, of soldiers in the distance with soldiers in the foreground with their back to the photographer, where they do seem to be not posed or not... They're holding still, but they're, it doesn't have at all the feel of a, a photograph that a photographer has assembled. Um, and quite a few are like that. Um, I, um, I don't want to skip around too much, but Susan O'Donovan has a discussion of a, a famous photograph of refugees crossing the Rappahannock. Mm-hmm. And she writes this marvelous, marvelous essay that really dissects what's going on here. And that's a picture that people may or may not remember, but it's African-American, mostly women, on a wagon crossing the river, but there are also soldiers present who are not part of the group. They just happen to be there at the same time. And so you've got all these different pieces in motion, and the photographer captures it beautifully. But, but Susan also, I think, does a beautiful job of What's going on in that photograph? Um, uh, that, that is just. Let me give you one more. Well, let, let, I'm going to stay on that one just for a moment while while we're on it. That, the, the photograph you got the wagon, this heavily laden wagon, uh, a team of four oxen, and they're sort of coming toward the viewer, and a, a young man on a horse. And then on the other side, to the left of the photograph, are these cavalry, Union cavalry soldiers, and their horses who are drinking from the water. And you're right, the, the, the essay describes how separate these two worlds are, a, a single wagon of refugees from slavery going one way, another group of Union soldiers going the other way, and they're not quite interacting, yet they wouldn't both be there if it weren't for the other. Uh, it, it's, and, and she analyzes every pose of every character, uh, and, and you learn a little bit about how to drive a four-ox wagon team, which I didn't know until I read that essay. Uh, yeah. Just the the amount yeah. of depth that the authors pull from these pictures is really remarkable. Uh, oh yeah, but it is another yeah. one that, that is. I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that I'm, I feel pretty confident that Susan probably could drive a a four ox wagon <laughs> team if she chose to. But uh, um, um, yes, I, I she reads the eyes of people as well. You know who's looking at who and who's not looking <laughs> at people and and so on. It's uh, um, 
a great essay. Sorry, you were talking, you were saying something. Well, uh, one of the things that really uh, struck me about this book was how many of the authors tell personal stories. They they chose a photograph Mm -hmm. because it was the one that got them hooked as a child, and a lot of them uh, found that photograph in the uh, the uh, American Heritage Centennial History that Bruce Catton wrote the text for. People listening to the show will know. At one point, I would have said almost half the guests said they got their start from that book. Uh, and I remember that book. It was a child uh, very clearly. For me, it was the maps more than the photographs that that, that got my attention. Uh, but so many of your, your authors talk about a childhood experience with a photograph that leads to a lifelong interest in the Civil War. Uh, and they're not always happy experiences. I mean, you mentioned Gary Gallagher writes about a photograph of, of Jeb Stewart. Uh, but there are others. Um, uh, James Martin writes about a photograph of a, a dead Confederate that he saw when he was uh, just six years old, and that still stays with him. Yeah, how, how, how important are these photographs in, in hooking people into the Civil War world? Well, I think it's um, the cohort we're talking about of, of historians really mm-hmm. do have different stories. Um, and um, you know, Jim Martin, is that, he's, that the essay he describes is really out of his youth. Um, and so is Gallagher's in a sense. That, that These are people who looked at pictures as you know, small children. Um, whereas other people, I'm not so sure. I, I certainly was aware of photographs of the Civil War, but, but not in the same sort of way as a child. Um, and the picture I chose is a picture that I think I probably chose it because I use it in the classroom so often. Um, it's, it's a diverse, it's a diverse his, set of histories, I think. Um, some it, people are drawing it, it, on their scholarship. Other people, um, are really, as you say, drawing on their past history. Um, I don't know. They, they, uh, Bud Robertson's essay, um, "The Dead Horse," yes. is to me one of the most brilliant essays in the book. Um, and this, I, I have to tell you, I mean, I edited it, but I didn't write all the essays. I think the essays <laughs> in this book are just astoundingly well written. Um, um, I just think that I, I picked up the book. I haven't looked at it in a while for tonight, and and there's they, like. Robertson's essay is about how the war was so destructive to horses. And it focuses on this famous photograph taken of a horse at Antietam, where you look at the photograph, you think a horse is sleeping mm-hmm. instead of on its, on, on its knees. But in fact, it's dead. Um, and he writes this, this just beautiful um, um, essay, um, it's very much from the heart, because um, you know, it, it didn't like it doesn't read like Bud Robertson's other writings. I don't think. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, well, the, the but, whole um, I, I completely agree that the the essays are uh, absolutely hold their own with the photographs and and are what make right. this uh, such an interesting book. When you, you mentioned the diversity of approaches and how some people mm-hmm. use photographs that they've used in, in classes. And the thing that came to mind was uh, Carrie Janey's selection of a photograph 
that I'm sure, again, every listener has seen of a family in camp, uh, the Union enlisted man, and from the viewer's perspective, uh, he's in front of a tent, and to his left is his wife. She's holding a kettle. She's looking directly at you, the viewer. Uh, to the right of the photograph are three children, a little boy with a dog, uh, a young girl holding a, a toddler on her lap. And they're all looking right at you. And there's a, so there's a nuclear family, but they're in a military camp. He, the man's in uniform. Uh, we've all seen that photograph. Uh, I, it's on the cover of, uh, uh, of the American War textbook that I, I was using last semester. Mm-hmm. What astonished me was she also includes the photographer's first take. That We know these photographs mm-hmm. are posed, as you and I were saying a minute ago, but I'd never seen the other version uh, in which the people in the photograph are looking elsewhere. Uh, the woman is looking down at her basket. Uh, the boy is looking off somewhere. The man doesn't have the props he's holding in the, the posed photo. And that, that opens a whole new world on the photograph to realize these are real people not just posing. Here's how they are trying to get your family together for the pose. It, it, oh, yeah. And that the was an un- one, the, the, mm-hmm. the black man in the background. Um, which yes. Who disappears in the... the, No. And uh, I remember because when we were putting together this book, we we said everyone told told everyone to get one picture. Um, Mm -hmm. But then Carrie had these two pictures and then Jane Schultz also had, I think, two pictures. But, um, and Gary and I kind of said, well, you know, it's our darn book. We can let her have two pictures. (laughs) So Um, we can break the rules. (laughs) um, But yeah, yeah, there are rules. But, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great picture for teaching and for thinking about the war. Um, and, you know, Carrie, who's now at UVA, it's, uh, um, it's another just wonderful piece of writing and research mm-hmm. in that the picture, that, uh, which I'm now looking at, the, um, the soldier has a saw in his hand. Right. And because and, Carrie is, is, is a fairly, um, shall we say, an engaged professional, she went out and determined precisely what kind of saw that was. I'm not, I don't recall how she did that, but she did. Um, and she's able to tell the reader, not you know, these are, this is what this saw was used for precisely, and so on, and which I love. And also, there's a um, there's a dog in the po- in the pose, which is mm-hmm. um, which is kind of nice. Um, no, it's great. Again, that's one. A bunch of these I now use in class, um, and including this one, including O'Donovan's. Um, you know the. Um, that open up different windows. Um, another feature I wanted to, well, a couple I, I really want to talk about sure. all of it, but um, <laughs> right. Simone Glimp, um, her mm-hmm. essay is, um, is another kind of, um, it really is a candid shot. It's um, African-Americans in a refugee camp in, um, in Arkansas, Helena. And um, mm-hmm. this photograph is not familiar. She found this in no. the archive. And, um, um, I think I yeah, and we had to get permission to put in the book. Almost everything else is public domain, anyways. But this was this one I've never seen before. Um, that um, it may be she's got a new book out, which I've not yet read, but she may have it in there. But um, mm-hmm. um, but there you have this picture of children playing, and it really doesn't feel. I don't think it is post. I think it's just mm-hmm. uh, you know. 
It it is it and it uh, it, it it's a picture worth a thousand words that tells the same story as uh, Amy Taylor's yeah. book, Embattled Freedom, about these refugee camps. Right. Uh, to actually see a picture of one, and they are rare. Uh, just, oh, yeah. just brings it to life in a dramatic way. Right. We're going to take another short break, come back. We won't have time to talk about every photograph, but that's why, listeners, you're going to have to get sure. this book. Um, but we'll talk about some more of them with our guest tonight, Matt Gallman. He's co-editor of Lens of War, Iconic Photographs of the Civil War. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Attention, if you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Matt Gallman, co-editor of Lens of War, Iconic Photographs of the Civil War. Uh, we were just talking at the end of the last segment about... Uh, the photograph selected by Thavolia Glimp, a picture of a refugee camp and uh, uh, some of the people living in it. Uh, Professor Glimp was originally going to be on this show this past uh, spring. Scheduling made that impossible, but we hope to have her on in the fall. So uh, she has a new book on the women's war uh, in the Civil War, and so we'll be hearing more from her. Uh, Matt, one that that you mentioned is was a previously unfamiliar photograph for many of us. Another one that I had not seen before was Dan Sutherland's uh, picture of of the notorious guerrilla Champ Ferguson, surrounded by eleven armed guards from the Ninth Michigan Regiment. Uh, I, I don't oh, yeah. know if I just hadn't seen much, but that didn't seem that that was a new one to me. I don't think I knew that one either. At some point, it blurs my mind when I first encountered a picture, but. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and of course he knows the Champ Ferguson story is um, it's just quite a story, and he's the 
the author to tell it. And not only that, uh, mm-hmm. Dan is sort of like a distant relation, I think. If, um, and it's a, it's a great picture, a great essay, um, and it opens up another part of the world, this whole world of kind of gorillas and, and relation between gorillas and their captors. captors. So it's, yeah, I was very pleased with that essay. Um, it, it, and and it, it brings the, the, the idea of memory in that uh, Ferguson looks like just a nice guy. He's, he's got a smile. He, he's, he, he doesn't, it, it, like uh, at the end of the, the movie Psycho, you know, he wouldn't hurt a fly. Uh, he looks so innocent. <laughs> and uh, we all know that he, in fact, is a psychotic killer. And he's uh, soon to be executed uh, not long after that photo was taken. But there he right. is, uh, looking like a guy you'd go out and you know have coffee with. Uh, yeah, there absolutely. Are, and uh, so, so there are some really famous photographs in here. Um, were there any photographs that you wish were in here that didn't make it in? That's a good question. I I confess that I I didn't really think about that way. I did think a bit about. Mm-hmm. Topic, you know, um, okay. like I mean, uh, Hal Holzer's essay on Lincoln is a great essay and a great photograph. And obviously, mm-hmm. we would have had to have a photograph of Lincoln, um, <laughs> but we knew we were going to have Hal, and and he was like, "You do Lincoln." Um, there are some that that um, that I I like that that are not present, but. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I honestly haven't thought about that way. I think there's there's an awful lot of powerful pictures in there, and pictures reflecting different powerful moments. Um, I, I'm I'm confusing myself now. I don't. We didn't we didn't include any of the famous photographs of the Lincoln assassins. I don't think. Um, right. Um, so, but um, there's a famous one of the in the being having been hung. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a, is a is a great photograph to contemplate, um, but no, I, I'm I was very pleased with the ones we got. Um, um, we got an unusual Robert E. Lee, um, and I was pleased with that. Um, um, we um, and then Steve Woodworth gave us a kind of a nice essay on the kind of that iconic. Um, Final return of the uh, of the Union troops, which was a nice picture. Um, but uh, yeah, there's it's a it's a great war for photographs. Um, it and um, you know and well, uh, and I I say go ahead. No, no, no. I just think that 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 um, when I think back at the project, it's we were very fortunate. I mean, we we're extremely fortunate. That every single author, because as you mentioned, these are mostly really famous people, and and they really did bring their A game. Um, and I think part of it is that we told people who else was in this book, um, <laughs> and so there were there were people, you know, well, you know, if so and so, then there, I'm going to bring my A game. And there's and um, uh, these are great writers, and they're not necessarily uh, people who are not competitive. Um, um, but I, I mean, there's, I'm there's, pleased with the diversity. Sorry. Yeah, there's no question that the essays really are uh, uh, just 
you know, they're well written. They're interesting. Right. Uh, some of them do bring in these original uh, or, or personal elements where they talk about the, right. the photograph means to them. Uh, I learned things about a lot of these photographs. Brooke Simpson writes about uh, a photograph. I know every listener will have in his right. or her mental furniture the three uh, Confederate prisoners at Gettysburg, uh, one with his foot up on a, a rail fence. Uh, the three of them are just exuding confederateness from every pore, uh, and and from this essay we learned, you know, the photograph was taken ten days after the battle. So were these guys stragglers? Were they deserters? Who exactly were they? Uh, but he goes on and talks about how this this changed meaning for him when uh, and his wife turns out to be to have relatives who fought at Gettysburg who may have fought his relatives at Gettysburg. Uh, what a story. Yeah, that's a good example. I mean, that photograph is very famous, but yeah, Brooks' essay told me a lot about, you know, he did a lot of thinking about who these guys might be. And mm-hmm. as you say, they, they, they may pose like, you know, brave combatants, but they were almost certainly stragglers or deserters. And which doesn't mean they weren't brave, but, Mm-hmm. But um, this this isn't a photograph that was taken on July third. You know, it was taken ten days later. Um, another one that opened it it says something about the technology of photographs. It's the piece that Steve Berry writes, um, yes. the book of the gun, which is mm-hmm. I'm, your your listeners may not have seen this one. They may have, it, but it's it was new to me. Of a, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a black soldier sitting on a rocking chair. Um, off in the distance, he's quite small, and but he's in Atlanta, and he is sitting in front of a um, basically a, 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 a place where slaves have been auctioned off. But he's now he, this soldier. This is eighteen fifty four. Atlanta's been captured, and what makes there's many things to make this intriguing. But one is that the details that allow one to even identify him as a black man and not just a guy in the shadows are fairly modern and that the photograph existed, but it wasn't until it was digitized and blown up that, at least this is what Barry says, that allows us to really see some of the detail. Um, at which point it becomes this incredibly ironic photograph of a black man with a gun reading a book sitting in front of a, an auction house, a slave auction house. And, and Barry, of course, is, a, is just a wonderful writer. Um, I'm assuming you've had him or him on, but um, um, absolutely, yes. And, and this is this is um, another one of the great essays in this book. Um, he, he he worked hard on this essay. He went through like four different drafts and so on. But um, it, it um, is a great story. No, be, because I mean, the the reader knows that this was taken. After Sherman has captured Atlanta and he has uh, Bernard come down and photograph the city before he moves out and many of the buildings are burned. So we know that not only is this slave dealership building no longer functioning, but that the whole city or much of it is, is going to be burned shortly. And and as, as Steve Barry points out, the there are no United States colored troops in Sherman's army. So Bernard posed this guy. He found him somewhere, maybe attached right. or maybe dressed someone up. But he's making a very clear statement by posing uh, a black soldier with a book as well as a gun in front of this, this right. slave dealership. 
We're almost out of time, but a, a, sure. the, the essay that I found most striking, and, and they were many striking essays, um, is, is the one about the Harvest of Death photograph at Gettysburg. And again, everybody's seen this Gardner photograph of uh, bodies sprawled. They're not neatly lined up like the Antietam dead photographs, uh, but just sprawled out. And the one most in the foreground has clearly already begun to decompose, mouth open, bloated, really a repulsive image. Um, and and uh, the, the question is, does this... Does this cross a line somewhere? Is this too much of a, uh, a visual picture of, of, of what death is like in the Civil War? Uh, I just thought that was uh, really, really a striking uh, image and discussion. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a photograph and a set of photographs from Antietam that, are, that I'm sorry, from Gettysburg that... Mm-hmm that are really helping to shape what Americans think about war, um, which is kind of of some great importance. Um, and, and also, uh, Steve Cushman, who wrote this essay, um, Cushman is, a, is a, among other things, a poet. And um, he's another person whose just writing is, is just extraordinarily good. Um, and he, he's thought long and hard about the meaning of this photograph. Um, and... So yeah, it's a photograph that we have looked at thousands of times, but but he really forces you to think about it in different ways. Um, well, he does. I mean, he points out that the same the same picture, the same setting is photographed by Gardner from a different angle, and labeled as Union dead on the first day. Uh, when in and then the bloody the the Harvest of Death photograph is labeled as this is what happens to rebels who fight against the country, but it's the same people. And in fact, they're actually third core U.S. Uh, casualties seems to be the real outcome. But man, many of these photographs, we, we should, you know, many of your authors touch on this. Many of the photographs are not what they seem. They're, uh, they've been posed right. by the photographer or they're a different picture. Uh, the picture of Charleston, uh, 1865, the ruins, uh, Megan Kate Nelson's picture of the ruins of right. Charleston, uh, until you read it, you don't realize, yes, the photo's 1865, but those buildings burned in 1861 and yeah, have never yeah, been repaired. It's, it's, it, it's not, not what not it looks even, like. It's not even war damage, really. And it wasn't, right. It, it, and, uh, yeah. So uh, there, there was so much in this book that, that I, I enjoyed. Yeah. Would you ever do a sequel to it? Well, I mean, I know you talked to Gary. With Civil War Places, the other book we did, Right. Was later. I mean, we did that later. Uh, but that kind okay. of was, I mean, it was the sequel in that we maintained the idea of getting authors to dig into their own consciousness. So much. And, but the choices were different. And so they were choosing places, not photographs. Um, um, so to some extent, those two are companion volumes, I think. that. And Gary and I have talked about it. I don't think there is an obvious... Um, third, um, mm-hmm. it's also, it's, 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 uh, these are, these are a lot of essays. That's a lot of work. Um, yeah. and, you know, and we were very fortunate in the, if you look at the two books, there's probably yeah. half the authors are, are in both books. I would guess. I'm not sure about that. Um, but we, 
um, got very few people turned us down for either book. Um, and uh, a couple people turned us down for the first book. We're happy to be in the second book to get that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it would be, who knows? I would never say never, but it, it would be exhausting. Um, it is exhausting. But, um, and then the problem is that um, there, well, in the case of Georgia with this book, I think Georgia did a beautiful job of putting together this book. And mm-hmm. um, there was some, Steve Berry is a, has his own chair, and he was also editor of the series. And he, he put some money from his chair into his book, which made yes. it, you know, it's still not a free book, but it's not expensive. Um, um, given all those photographs and all those authors, um, it's, a, it's a book I think, I think Gary and I are both pretty proud of it. Well, well you certainly should be, and it, it is you know, beautiful to look at, just to look at the photographs, uh, but to read the stories behind them and the authors' personal stories in many cases, uh, absolutely uh, a, a wonderful experience to see uh, these images of the Civil War through the eyes of these historians. Uh, I wish we had more time to talk about all of them, but as I said earlier, we want, uh, we want to save something for the reader. Listeners, you will not be sorry to get yourself a copy of Lens of War, exploring iconic photographs of the Civil War era. University of Georgia Press produced it. Uh, it was co-edited by... Gary Gallagher and J. Matthew Gallman. Matt has been our guest tonight. Matt, thank you so much for being on Civil War Talk Radio. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.